We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us today. We are just delighted that you're here with us. There is a friendship pad on each one of the rows. It's a black folder. It should be near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know you're here and then pass it down the row so other people can do that too. This morning, we're delighted to say that we have a guest preacher, Rubens Musio, who is with us from Brazil. We have sponsored Rubens as a missionary from this congregation for 17 years, and he has been here a couple of times to preach before and done some adult education for us, and we are in for a treat. His wife, Deli, is with us too, and he, is, he originally was with, maybe you still are with, are you still with Sipal? Sipal, and he, he, is, he works at the South American Theological Seminary in Brazil. So it is going to be quite a morning. We're glad you're here. Our interim pastor, Gareth Eisnuggle, had a bit of a medical procedure this week. Uh, they told him it would take him two weeks to recover, and so he is tending to what he's supposed to do, and he's recovering. And so we will see him next Saturday, next Saturday and the following Saturday, the 17th and the 24th, our... Uh, congregation, or, I will get this right. They are town hall meetings. They're going to be in Tankersley Hall from 9 to 11. It's a chance to vision for the future, to think about and dream about and pray about what God might be wanting us to do differently in the future or the same in the future. So this is your chance to get in your word, and then we will write the mission study and we'll begin to move forward towards getting a pastor nominating committee. So this is kind of the last part of that study, and I'm sure you'll want to be part of that. Each of the next two Saturday mornings, 9 to 11, you pick one, uh, and Gareth plans to be here to lead those. I, he is working on those every minute that he gets while he is off. Also, our book talk group is going to be meeting on August 20th, and we are discussing Circling the Sun by Paula McLean. It is a great book about Kenya and about a woman who was uh, quite a groundbreaking person in Kenya at the time. Today, we are collecting funds out on the patio to help the, military, the school for the military children in Camp Pendleton. If you would like to donate to that, it helps provide school supplies for those kids. And also, I noticed that on August 24th, that's a couple of weeks away, uh, we have a Habitat for Humanity opportunity. We haven't had one of those for a long time. And a lot of times, those of you who have just joined the church, you write down, I'd like to be part of Habitat for Humanity. Here it is. Here it is. Hang on. It has come. So make sure that you write that down. It is at the same time as one of those uh, town hall meetings. So you'll want to go to the opposite one so that you can do the Habitat. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. A loving God, we come so grateful, celebrating your love for us and wanting to love you back with our whole hearts and souls and minds. So come and move in our midst, stir our hearts to worship you and to give ourselves to you alone through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. 
In your light, we see light. And so let us stand and sing together. Oh, hail him as your matchless king.
Our morning psalm is Psalm 23. We're going to teach it to you. We're going to play through the chorus. And then we're going to sing that chorus together. And the praise team will sing the verses, but you notice they're printed there, so feel free to sing along once you uh, see the pattern there. Here's how the chorus goes. And I will trust in
our call to confession. Even in our faithlessness, God loves us still and waits in mercy to forgive. Trusting in the deep, abiding love of God in Christ, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Holy God, you call us to do good, to seek justice, and to care for those in need. Yet, Yet how, how often, often we, we place our own comforts above compassion for others. Forgive us, we pray. Let us now take a minute for personal silent confession. Amen. Hear the good news. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, we are set free to love God and neighbor and to work for the reconciliation of the world. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. Our first scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. I'll be reading from, verses from chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. You'll find on page 25 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Hear God's word to us. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Rubens. Bom dia. It's, it's not buenos dias, it's bom dia. It's good morning, that's Portuguese. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, we, as Kathy mentioned, we have been partners for almost 17 years. Yeah, that was the first time I came here with Dick Duncan. He was, uh, used to be the director for CEPAL in Brazil. And uh, uh, we became missionaries with... Uh, CEPAL is the OC International, it's an American agency also, it's got missionaries all over the world, and uh, it's been a pleasure for us to 
be part of this community in many, many ways. We feel as, as serving God in South America and uh, your faithfulness. Uh, we are so grateful for, for the ways that you have been partnering with us for so many years. It's a pleasure. Let me introduce again my wife, Dali. Would you stand up so people can see how beautiful you are? <laughs> yeah. I've been married for 30 years. Uh, Dali just recently retired. Uh, a couple of last years, she's been dedicating herself to piano and uh, French. She's learning French. Je ne comprends pas français, but uh, she's, she's doing well in French. And uh, uh, we have two kids. Actually, they're not kids anymore. Alex is 26 years old, and he lives in Vancouver. He's moving to Seattle in a couple of months. He works at uh, Microsoft. He's an engineer, and uh, he's uh, really been going through a, a journey that is interesting. Last year, he was baptized again. I'm a Presbyterian pastor, so uh, he found a very good church in Vancouver, and uh, he, uh, he connected with, spiritually to this church in so many ways that uh, he became a member, and he's following his journey as a Christian, which is good, which is very important for us as as parents seeing our kids following the Lord. And we have Aline. Aline is moving back from Germany this week. She's just got back to Brazil uh, yesterday, I think, or the day before yesterday. She lived for a while there. She's uh, finishing her degree in engineering, and she's moving to Brazil. But there are kids before, perhaps because we have been missionaries for so many years, they are all over the world, traveling a lot, and it's been it's been great seeing them uh, moving along and following the Lord and uh, finding their finding their purpose in in mission in their work and life and uh, they are doing well. We thank God for for the kids. Uh, personally, you heard that I had in the last couple of years a uh, some tough years. 2017 and 2018 were tough years for me. I never knew until it was too late that I had GERD. GERD is this sort of re reflux disease. And uh, <clears throat> I was coughing like I was dying, man. It was pretty hard. I could not breathe for... I lost my voice for three, four months. Almost I couldn't sleep. I couldn't talk. I couldn't sleep. So it was pretty tough. I lost almost 20 pounds, which is not bad at all. I mean, 20 pounds less is, is a dream coming true, but though it was pretty hard time, <clears throat> and uh, but I'm glad I'm feeling okay, uh, working fine, but the 2017 and beginning of 2018 was uh, pretty tough on us, but ministry is doing okay. Uh, while I'm working as a missionary and professor at seminary and traveling, I have been working on a PhD at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, and this year, in particular, I'm working on my final uh, steps towards writing the dissertation. That's why I came up to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, I studied 20 years ago at Calvin Seminary, Calvin College and Calvin Seminary, and they graciously invited me to use their library, a million books library. I feel myself like a little fat guy from the Wonk factory. Remember the chocolate factory, you know, just swimming into the chocolate. I feel myself doing that with the books around me, so it's been, it's been fun. Uh, we have been spending a month, month and a half in Grand Rapids. We we're going to be staying there until the end of September. Uh, 
and heading back to Brazil. So I decided to come down here and uh, be with you and uh, spend a little bit of time together. There's been a lot of change in my ministry also lately. Uh, basically, I was helping in a local church, part of the team to revitalize, revitalizing that local church, but I uh, decided to move this year towards serving full-time with the seminary, with Sepal again, uh, in starting up a new project called uh, Ready, which means revitalization and the development of sustainable leadership and church, because I've sensing that uh, though so many so many good news in terms of the growth of the Brazilian church, of the Latin American church. There are many needs in terms of leadership. There's, there's a lot of deficiency in terms of personal formation uh, as, as well as ministerial training. Uh, so there is, there is a very limited ability to cope with contemporary issues in Brazilian church. And uh, the church is aging really quickly. Also in, in Brazil, despite this phenomenal church growth, uh, I've, I've been sensing that the church is rapidly aging and uh, has, not been, has not been capable of answering some of the emerging generation aspirations. So uh, although we have over 60% of the population in Brazil is under 40 years old, but the churches are aging really quick, there is a sense also of very superficial spirituality in, in my country. And uh, by 2010, we had already 45 million people that uh, would identify themselves as, as evangelicals. But uh, it's been a very, uh, I'd say, a very uh, fast growth, too shallow in so many ways. And uh, an issue that's really concerned me, it's the what I call a 150 barrier uh, Pretty much all, all the 250,000 churches in Brazil are under 120, 150 people. There's this barrier, this blockage that uh, churches are struggling in terms of attendance, many, many churches. And I've been concerned about studying the reasons why we're not growing as we, we could. And, uh, and there is a lack of, of transformational engagement, social justice, and transforming the community. There is just a missing, there is a gap. And uh, so part of, part of our ministry at uh, Hedi is becoming a place of where we can talk on in terms of revitalization for this church. How, we, how can we bring not only renew, but reformation in the sense of who we are as church, what is our essence as, as a community of followers of Jesus, and also development, how to be a hub, uh, we could call a hub of missional practices as well as, as well as ministerial instruments that uh, could help the church to develop. So it's been a big change. It's sort of a startup project. So from within the seminary, we're trying to build bridges from the seminary to the local church and, and bringing together this academic theological dimension of the church with the, this more ministerial practical aspect. And uh, because I've sensed so many ways, there's this gap between academy and church, between theology and piety. And that's part of what I'm, I'd like to preach this morning. 
when I think about loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, how can I love people if I don't love God, if I don't feel loved by God? And the question that uh, it comes to my mind today is, is also coming out of my ministry within the last 30 years as a local Presbyterian pastor, seminary professor, missionary, and studying, researching church, and planting church in Canada also. It seems that there is, there is this massive number of Christians who continue to suffer a, a gap between what they believe and what they do. There is, there is this gap between believing and doing. And I think this is a big concern for me. There, there's this gap. There is this just a separation between uh, our theory and our practice, our Christians. The knowledge of God and the service of God. And uh, I, I've, I've been personally a witness, uh, witnessing many waves of spiritual awakenings in, in South America. And I have, I've seen this church growing uh, from a small community, a small church, to become a very large uh, evangelical church in Brazil. And uh, they were really keen in actually electing our last president. But in, in many, many ways, I've seen this church is quite unscrupulous and immoral in many, many issues. There is a lack of ethics. And uh, many churches, there is just a, what I feel a lack of a sort of an integral growth, a more organic spiritual growth, not only numerical growth, but there is a lack of social transformation, of changing the culture where we are. And, but that's a similar distress call that I could ask, I could, I could be expressed about the American church also. I mean, I've been reading Frederick Trost talking about the American church, and he says, that he believes the church in North America talks too much. Frederick Trust. He makes promises it cannot keep. It deceives itself. What concerns me is a church that is smiling all the time. A church so desperate to be accepted in society that we put on a happy face. We're tempted to make cheerful promises of professions of faith. Professions without teeth, without consequences, without requirement. And trusts continue to say there is a temptation in the church to have faith without obligations, without demand, a liturgy that entertains, that enthralls, that soothes and comforts, inspires us to think well of ourselves. And he says, cheap grace, cheap grace. The fact that the church in North America has been pushed to the periphery of society and stumbling into irrelevance, disappearing in the garments of false pieties. And, and it seems that that is a similar, similar call, similar distress call that I feel in Latin America. I mean, there is this immense distance between believing and doing where Christians should, could, or ought to do spiritually and where they really are. This connection between this very clear black and white life that we live on Sunday and a Monday to Saturday world of work that is so filled with shades of gray. What do we do? How, how can we be Christians? How can we be really Christians 
from Sunday to Saturday, from Sunday to Sunday. Uh, Richard Lovelace, he's a professor, author, he says, the modern evangelical movement all over the world has a weakened sense of the holiness of God and the depth of a personal sin. The Reformation stress on justification has been retained and also the Puritan motive of the need of regeneration. regeneration. But the process of being born again is much easier than the post-Reformation the Puritans made it. A simple immediate response of faith and commitment often after a very short presentation of the gospel. So this is perhaps why we, we need to think more often about the reformation that is required. Not only a spiritual renew, but a change. My topic actually today is, is love as being the great purpose of, of us, the great end for us as Christians to, to address this very complex issue, which is the separation, the gap between the doctrine and devotion. And what is, what is to be a Christian according to Matthew 22? It's to love. Love your Lord with your heart, with your soul, with your mind. Love God. That's the beginning of Christian life. This, is, this commandment is the great end of life. This commandment is the ultimate goal for us as Christians. Making the love of God the most vital, the most important objective of our life. The, the, our main thing, something that is really central to, to our essence as people. Not only obeying the laws, going to the church, or following certain values, but really love. Christian life is about loving God. And we have to think over and, and, and think and being persuaded by this. And understanding this, that we have to love God for all our lives. And as a good Presbyterian, we're going to talk about three things this morning. Uh, which, first of all, is this love of God with your whole life. Love God with your whole person, holistically. But there is a catch also. You can only love God if you know for certain that you are loved by God. So those are three basic things that I'd like to... Uh, quickly talk to you because it's, it's really key to understanding how to be a Christian today and how can we love one another, how can we practice Christianity, how can we really become a believer and follower of Jesus day by day. Love God with all your heart, with all, uh, all your life. That's, that's very important, your holy life. It's, it's a long last it's, it's an endless journey, actually. Now, when, when you think about loving God, for me, we have, to, we have to consider that there might be two conflicting models to be a Christian in our mind. There, there are two ways of being a Christian. One of the ways of seeing Christianity as a conversion, uh, a very sudden conversion, an immediate Something like resembling Paul, you know, it's being literally struck down by a blinding light from heaven. We, we felt the conviction of sin, we experienced the grace of God, and we make a decision, sort of a self-surrounding. Uh, it, could, it could come through a sermon, it came maybe in a conference that I went to. But there is a, there is a sudden uh, 
unexpectedly change in experience, and I've been converted. I accepted Jesus, boom, and I became a Christian, boom, and let's go to heaven, boom. And so something really quick, instantaneous. And a great emphasis given on this rapid conversion, something that happened in the past. That's a very, very, very easy model to, to, to fail in, I mean, to, to believe. But there is, this, there is another model in terms of being a Christian in Christianity, which you see in scriptures all over the place, which is more like a nurturing model. It's, it's a Christian life development. It's a process. It's, it's a journey. We, we're never there. We, 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 what really counts is the walk of faith daily. And you, you, you know that most psychologists would agree that there is no simple instantaneous conversion because there's so considerable preparation. There's so many unconscious elements inside us. We're so complex inside our minds that uh, we, we have to consider that Christianity, to be a Christian, is, is a sort of a lifelong journey. It's a via, a rule, a road a route of happiness that is represented by a journey with a very clear objective. Day by day, loving the Lord and loving one another. It's, it's something that is going to be happening. And, and that conversion that we had, that same time that perhaps we came to the church when we were young kids or we came to the church because our parents came to the church. But there, there was just beginning there's something that got to be happening every day, gradually, step by step. Because to be a Christian is a lifelong commitment. It's a never-ending journey. It's a never-ending journey. That's important for us to understand. It's like, I, I mean, this whole image of pilgrimage is important for, for me. I, I'm not sure if you read The Pilgrim's Progress. How many of you have read it? John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. It's, it's the book actually... Most read after the scriptures all over the world, a Christian book. It's a very interesting book by John Bunyan. He was a preacher. He, he wrote this book when he was in jail. Uh, his family was uh, suffering, just destitute, actually. She, he had a uh, daughter. She was blind. And so he was, he was in pain, and he found so many promises from scripture that God is with us amidst suffering and, uh, and so many sufferings that he had. But the pilgrim's progress cannot be read as, as just a conversion for Christianity. When you, when you read the, the pilgrim's progress, you see that he's a, Christian's over, he's a Christian already from the beginning. His conversion is actually written in the first chapter. He is a Christian. And it's just the beginning of a lifelong journey uh, that is a destination, is the promised city of God, the celestial city. So he has got this huge journey to go with hopeful Christian and hopeful. They keep giving one another mutual support, retelling one another their conversion. But you see in the whole book, Pilgrim's Progress, there is a, a recounting of the journey of their uh, of, of the union of the soul with Christ after conversion. So life is a pilgrimage. And from the city of sin into the wilderness of humiliation to the heavenly kingdom. That's the whole idea of the pilgrimage progress. But what we see there is also in the book is conversion is a very complex, 
often long, drawn-out process that, that advanced from the conviction of sin, the initial conversion, to, to the total trust and assurance of salvation and the climax that is going and being the presence of God in the heavenly kingdom. It involves learning the truth, internalizing them, and living uh, a life-shaping way that is changing, that is a desire for God, that is a love for Christ, and an eager hope of being someone that is more like Jesus Christ, that, that, is, that is actually a person that is more similar to Jesus Christ, Christ-likeness. So a Christian life is a long and endless process. And that's we have to rethink the way we live Christianity here. Christian life is for the whole life. Not just a mere accepting of Christ's value and going to heaven. It's not only an event that happened on a certain day, in a certain place, but it's always a progress. It's not only a microwavable, instant Punctual event, but it's the decisive, daily, psychologically changed process and transitions in our life that go from spiritual death to spiritual life. And it's gradual. It's actually a matrix of transformations, a changing process that are, there are many events are interrelated. It's a process that made many conversions. And that's what we need today, conversions. Converse, daily conversions, small conversions in different areas of our lives. So that's love God. We, we start loving God when those changes happening and we believe that it, with our whole lives, forever, every single day of our lives, it's an endless journey to learn more and more to love God. So love God, but it's not only to love God for our whole life, but it's loving God with all our heart. Scripture says love God with your heart. Heart for, for post-Reformation uh, preachers and theologians was something that is more like feelings. It's affections. It comes from your will, your decision. Love God with your heart. It means it comes from deep down inside. So love with all your heart, but also with all your soul, with all your mind. What is he saying? What is he saying here? It's, it's your whole thing. It's your whole person. It's holistic. And being a Christian, there are certain stages that are, that are always common in our, in our conversion process. There's, perhaps there are times in our lives that we, we, we pass, we, there might be a period of in, inattention or indifference to, to God, and then we become self-conscious and aware of shortcomings, failures, sinfulness, dissatisfactions, and we're not an onset of, there, there's a need of change. There might be some times that we feel this understanding that uh, I, I've been aware of certain aspects of the will of God. There are failures of mine. And, and I, I started going to the church. There's some, I, I like to hear in sermons. I like to read in scriptures. Or I, get inside, I get myself engaged into conversation with uh, believers. And then I sense that change happening in terms of our attitudes or habits our actions, and then you initially start to see inside yourself that by the Spirit of God you sense this deep alienation from God, and then you, you want His mercy, you want to 
find his for, experience his forgiveness. But also there is a sense that uh, you feel there is a new being, a new person, a new form of life starting inside yourself. There is a, a, new, a new infused life. Actually, the life of God is, is inside us and, and helps us to deal with our contradictions, our insecurities, our, our tensions, our guilt. And then we start a path of transformation. And this is going to happen many, many times in our life, in our lives. Many, many times. We, we continue to grow into this path of transformation that is, that is, that is moving something in, in many ways, a transformation than in several different aspects of our life. Perhaps morally, we start thinking more in terms of our ethics, our sexuality. There are some moral issues that we deal. Intellectually also there, we, we keep on thinking in terms of changing values, cultural change, or, or cultural change in terms of the truth. What is the meaning of truth and, and, and Christian values? How can we deal with fake news? How, how is that we can deal with the world view as a Christian? So there are lots of elements that are help, happening in our mind when we think in terms of socially, politi politi politically, there are ways that we can act in terms of social justice. There are political values that uh, are affected by us becoming a Christian. There are financial decisions that we make by becoming Christians. So there are transformations happening in terms of our emotions also. What is what you love the most? What is the, what is the, most, what is the most important desire? What do you desire the most? Or is Jesus Christ the most important person in your life? And then spiritually also, they're always moving in, in, in committing to obey God's scripture, in committing to obey some of specific uh, laws or commandments. So love God. When you say loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, is a matrix of transformations that keeps on going every single day. We were, not, we're never there. We're still moving in terms of this journey. A journey of integration, a journey of finding wholeness, a journey of finding freedom in Christ, a, a progressively, ethically freedom in Jesus Christ. A journey that is also a commitment to a worldview, a journey that is a commitment to certain Christian value, a journey that it's, it's a, could be sudden, it could be gradual, but it's a decisive movement inside ourselves, based on love. And a journey that it changes our relationships then, changes the way we deal with people, because we are Christians. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we're going to become different persons. That's, that's very important, which is for the whole life, and with our whole being, with our whole person. But how can, how can we do this? And finally, uh, I believe there is a catch in Matthew 22 to, that really empowers us to love God. And you see, as I've been saying, change is very complex. Change is, is a long process. And we're, not, we're never going to change. Listen to me. We're never going to change unless we have been often reminded, persuaded, and understand that God loves us. We have to keep on reminding ourselves daily. That's something that we have to wake up and remember. Oh, God, He really loves me. 
Wow, God loves me. Wow, and we're brushing our teeth. Wow, God loves me. Something that you have to keep doing every day because we usually forget. We usually forget, and it doesn't come up from the head to the heart many, many times. And there, there are issues particularly important when we want to be convinced by the, the whole gospel. I mean, there are things that we talk as Presbyterians that we are justified. And that's really key to get it down from the head to the heart. What is justification? You know, this theory we have been talking for so many, many years, but what is that means really in our heart? So bring it down. You have been reconciled. You have been adopted. He's your father. God is your father. You have to remember this every single day. You have to remember the future enjoyment of the happiness that God's gave you. So let, let those things that are theological things, biblical things, sink down in your soul. Find happiness in thinking about the love of God and how it has been unfolded. The guarantee of forgiveness, the guarantee of reconciliation, the guarantee of adoption, the guarantee of eternal salvation brings a strong sense, should bring a strong sense of happiness. More happiness than watching our baseball team winning. More happiness than spending a week in Cancun. More happiness than a best pizza in town. Or for Brazilians, the best barbecue. More happiness than the best sex ever. You know, enjoying the presence of God should bring us happiness. That's the only way to love Him back. It's the only way. If we daily are convinced and happy about the whole gospel, about the whole salvation, about all the benefits of redemption, this empowers us to love and live. Considering all the demands of the laws, the commandments, we cannot be perfect without being convinced by the love of God and being happy. And that's the great end, the purpose of love. How can we love one another? How can we love God? Unless, unless, listen, unless our heart is really clear that God loves us and we are daily persuaded, convinced about His love. If there is no emotional incentive to be a Christian today, we would be miserable. It doesn't make sense to be a Christian. There's so much problems in life, amidst suffering. If there is no resurrection of Christ, we would be miserable. So therefore, you must be emotionally seduced by love, encouraged by the love of God. Supported by the happiness of salvation. And so that would be transformation. That will bring your heart to love more God and to love more one another. But feel it. Let it feel. Let it sink in your heart. The love of God. And this is only possible when you follow Jesus Christ. And really connect with Christ. And know that He is in you by the Spirit. Pouring down His love in your heart. And may God bless you. And help us to love one another, help us to love Him. But knowing for sure, day by day, daily, and being convinced 
persuaded that his love is real, is great, and is for us today. God bless you. Faithful God, we thank you for your love which surrounds our lives. We pray for heartfelt knowledge of your love. Bless us and disturb us with the vision of what it means to follow you and to allow your love to reform every part of our lives. Help us to respond to the needs of all in ways that show your love and that bring hope to those who despair. We pray that you would break the cycle of suffering of so many people around the world. Have mercy on the many who fled their homes seeking safety and a better life. On those who live in the midst of injustice, abuse, and violence. On those who grieve losses, people of El Paso, of Dayton, of Gilroy, and now the people of China in the wake of the typhoon. We pray that you would give wisdom to the leaders of our land, that we may be a people at peace among ourselves and a blessing to other nations of the earth. We ask that you would work through Ruben's ministry in Brazil, that you would be at work in the churches there as he tries to help churches see how to integrate your love into all of their ways, to the daily patterns of life. Would you work through our prayers for a greater justice and a greater peace until the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven. And so today we stand and we sing the prayer that you have taught us. Let us stand as we sing the Lord's Prayer to our Father. Our Father who art in heaven
If I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Amen. Let us be seated and let us bring to the Lord our morning offering. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy follow me. And everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of Lord, you are mighty to save, and it is with gratitude that we bring you these gifts, asking that you would bless them and that you would use them to show your love and your compassion to many. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen uns aos outros. Love one another. Amen ao próximo. Amo o seu próximo. Love God. 
And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blessing, a Brazilian blessing today, be upon you all and your families forever and ever. Amen.